those that have been with us the last number of weeks, you know that we've spent some time looking at their Eucharistic revival that the church here in the U.S. has called for. We looked at the numbers of that's the, the reality that 70% of Catholics don't believe in the presence, the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. And that when you get younger, when you, uh, you look at a more specific subset of 40 years, those that are 40 years of age or younger, that number goes from 70% to 80% don't believe in the true presence of the Eucharist. So the alarms have sounded. The, the, the church in the U.S., they said, we need to take three years here for this, what they're calling it's a Eucharistic revival. And as the pastor of this community, as we embark on this second year of the Eucharistic revival, it's focused on the parish and what the parish is to do as part of to bring about the revival of the understanding of the reality of the church's teaching of Jesus's true presence in the Eucharist. And as a, as a pastor, in, in shepherding this community, I look out and I, you know, I, I think of 15, 20 years from now, as we raise up and catechize our children to say and to think and to wonder, what's it going to be like 15, 20 years from now? Are we going to go from 70% to 80% to 90%? No, we, we, we want to go the other direction, and I think we can. But as Albert Einstein once said, the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And so this week, what I want to do is I want to look at, I want to go over and review of how it is that we're to receive. And then secondly, tailing from last week is when you're here, you notice we did the show and tell during the homily of the number of signs and symbols. I want to add another element. So first, how to receive some practicals. For, for most of us, the last time we were taught on how to receive Holy Communion is when we made our first communion. And what can happen a lot of times is we can develop bad habits. And we can, you know, we can lose intentionality when we come forward to receive Holy Communion. And so it's good to be reminded. So the first thing is to make sure that we're prepared. The church asks that we be prepared. And the church gives instructions on in how we're to prepare to receive. And it comes straight from the Bible, the scriptures. St. Paul in his letter to the Corinthians in chapter 11, he recounts, like right after he recounts the institution of the Eucharist, he says that Jesus took the bread, take this, all of you, and eat of it. As soon as Paul does that, as he's writing to the, to the church in Corinth, he then gives instructions on how to receive. He says this. He says, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord, meaning whoever comes and receives communion here, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. He says, let a man examine himself, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment upon himself. And then in verse 30, that is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. So, the primary effect of receiving the Eucharist is to be transformed, is to enter into communion with Christ. That's what we call it, Holy Communion. When we receive the Eucharist, we become more like Christ. It's, that's the principal effect of us receiving the Eucharist. And yet, Paul says, he's telling the community, many of you are weak and ill, and some are even spiritually dead. Why? 
Because the receiving Holy Communion, he says. Because the receiving the Eucharist, he says, some of you are weak and ill. Why? It's like, wait, wait, what's going on? What, what? That doesn't make any sense. The primary effect of receiving the Eucharist is... It's because he, he stresses the fact of them receiving in an unworthy manner. See, we don't think that way. We've grown to think and understand that receiving communion is kind of like coming up and receiving a slice of the birthday cake. Like it's just everyone, everyone receives it. It's just, it, it's just what we do. But it's not the way the Bible talks about it. It's not the way the church talks about it. And so that's why we make announcements. Like when we have masses where there's a lot of visitors and guests, like at funerals and weddings, we make announcements. We make an announcement before communion and it, 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 of those that are not Catholic or you're unable to receive today, we, we invite you, you're, you're still welcome to come forward, but just cross your arms over your chest to receive a blessing. And it's difficult to do because we want, like especially even if you're a guest here today with us and you're not Catholic, for whatever reason, like it's, it's hard to say it because you wanna be all, you want everyone to receive, to be all inclusive and it, it's tough, but it's not what the scriptures say and it's not what our church teaches. Because if anyone can receive all the time, regardless of even one's belief, then it's treating the Eucharist more like receiving a slice of birthday cake and that's not what the Eucharist is. And so primarily examining our conscience is to examine to see if we have any mortal sin on our conscience, is what St. Paul's talking about. If we have not yet been able to go to confession to confess those mortal sins, then we're to just come up and have our arms over our chest and receive a blessing. And that's perfectly fine for us to do. So the first thing for us to prepare is to examine ourselves. The second way, the church asks us that we fast one hour before receiving the Eucharist. Is we're, we're only to have water, of course, like take medicine, all that, but to abstain and to fast from food. It's just to help us to appreciate of what it is that we're receiving or who it is that we're receiving. To fast from one hour before we receive the Eucharist. Now, when we come forward, we're asked to do two things prior to receiving. When we come forward, we're, we're first, we're asked to bow. That is, again, it's a sign of reverence. It's a sign of adoration. We talked the last two weeks that what we do with our body helps inform the interior disposition. We can bow or we can also kneel. You notice there's two kneelers in front here. We have more and more people that are kneeling. And so as to help them to get, to get back up, because sometimes that can be a challenge, these are here for those that want to kneel and receive uh, and to help them get up, to, to brace themselves, to make it, make it easier. But when we approach, again, what we either in the bow, we bow in a sign of reverence and adoration to, to, to Christ, our King. What we do with our body helps inform the interior disposition. The second thing we're asked to do is we're asked to say amen. Amen is to say, I believe. It means truly it is. When we don't, you know, when someone, when I'm when giving out Holy Communion and someone doesn't say amen, it's always, I'm always concerned and I wonder, like, are they, are they Catholic? Do they know what to do with the, with the host? Because as I said two weeks ago, what we have, it's about once a month, maybe someone will come with a consecrated host. 
and find it in the hymnal or the pew, right? So, so you say amen, it's an indication you believe. You believe that this is really Jesus that you're consuming here that's fully present in the Blessed Sacrament. And so we can either receive, you can either receive in the hand or on the tongue. The church allows for both. The ancient practice is for one to receive on the tongue. The way the church really would, would, would talk about it is that the preferences that one receives on the tongue, but it allows for people to receive on the hand. You might say the preference might be just for, you think in terms of like, uh, like humbling ourselves, of a child being fed from, from, from their parent, and just this dependency, and also less of an opportunity for, for particles, less an opportunity, like I said, of, of the host being profaned with someone walking away with it. So that would be why the church's preference would be that. But one is still, allow, one is still the church allows for them to receive on the hand. If you receive on the hand, couple things. One is remember that what is being placed in your hand is not something, but it's someone. And secondly, your hands need to be clean. Sometimes hands will have mark, like markers on it, drawings, they might be dirty. If, if your hands are dirty or they have mark, markers on it, you need, you, need, you, you need to receive on your tongue rather than receiving on, on, on dirty hands or with markers or writings. You also need to be able to present both hands to receive on the hands. So if we, if we only have one hand available, right, whether it's because we're holding a cane with the other hand and if we let go of the cane, it will fall, or maybe we're holding a child and we can only present one hand, you should receive on the tongue as well. I've only seen a couple people have mastered being able to hold a child and also receive you know, with both hands at the, at the same time. It's quite impressive. But if you just think about it practically, you hold out one hand, the host is placed in the palm of the hand, and we see this all the time. You have to somehow finagle the host up to your fingers because you, to then get to your fingers and then to place the host in your mouth. It's, you have, a, the, the chances of dropping the host are much higher doing that. Or the other option, the host is in the palm of your hand, you, you have to pop it in your mouth like a tic-tac, right? The Lord is not a tic-tac, right? So you have to present both hands. And as St. Cyril of Alexandria mentioned, it's like making a throne with one hand under the other to receive our great king. And your dominant hand then comes up, receives the, picks up the host with the two fingers, and reverently places the host in your mouth immediately. Prior to, to turning and walking away, you consume the host directly in front of myself, the deacon, or the extraordinary minister. Right? Don't, don't grab the host. Don't present your hands like a book with not having one or the other because, it, again, it's, it can go in the middle of your hand. And don't present your hands and also stick out your tongue at the same time. Right? Like, it's confusing. It's like, I'm not sure where... Like, where Lastly, well, one more thing with that. If you receive on the hand, you ought to check your hand afterwards and see if there are any particles on your hand. Because as we've been talking the last two weeks, even the smallest of particles of the host, if they're visible to the eye, they need to be consumed. That isn't to be obsessive about it. It's not to take out a magnifying glass, but it's to do a quick look to see if there are any particles on your hand. And if there are, if you see any, 
then you consume that. Lastly, as I mentioned last week, we did a little bit of like the show and tell with the signs and symbols that have practical use, but are also external signs to help the interior disposition. Because that shows the fact that we really believe what we really believe. We really believe that Jesus is present here in the Eucharist. And so one, one gentleman last week commented after Mass, he, he left in, in the piazza, he, and as we were talking about the chalice being needing to be um, precious metal and lined in gold, and I said how it can't be glass, it can't be wood. And he mentioned to me that he, he grew up, he said in a time where that's what he saw, the, the chalices were glass, and the saborios were maybe were wood. And he said, he goes, Father Mark, what it did is it ended up confusing me. It, it, it confused me on what's a symbol, what's not a symbol in the liturgy. And he went on to say, like, it, it was almost as if, like, the, the church was trying to become more worldly. To, and the, the intention was good is to, to bring more people in. To, but, but in becoming more worldly and, like, watering things down, it, it's had the opposite effect. And the proof is in the pudding in the sense of the 70% the 80% numbers that we've been talking about. And so another thing that we're introducing, and we'll tiptoe into doing this, um, but this is called a communion pad. Many of you have seen this before. There was a time when these were required to be used. Communion pad, again, practically, it is placed out to catch any host that might my fall, and a server or extraordinary minister holds the communion patent from one one receives, either again on the hand or the tongue, to catch any host or any dropped particles from the host. So we will be, you know, when you see this, um, again, an external sign to help practical use, but also an external sign to help the interior disposition. Is it going to seem weird? And, and different, yeah, it will. Because things that are different and we're not used to, it seems weird and it may be a little uncomfortable at first. But it being weird and uncomfortable is not the worst thing right now for us, like just in a church. Because it'll help us think, it'll help us to realize more on who it is that we're receiving. I wanna close here with a quote from, from uh, the Vatican website that says this. Over the centuries, the church has always characterized the moment of Holy Communion with the sacredness and the greatest respect. Forcing herself, the church forcing herself constantly to develop to the best of her ability external signs that would promote understanding of this great sacramental mystery. In her loving and pastoral concern, the church has made sure that the faithful receive Holy Communion, having the right interior dispositions for the faithful to comprehend and consider interiorly the real presence of him whom they are to receive. That's the goal of all of this. That's the goal of us deviating from the readings these last three weeks, of taking time to talk about the Eucharist arrival. It's the goal of why the church in the U.S. is saying, we, 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 we got to look at this. The goal is to change our interior disposition more, to realize who it is that we're receiving, the one who went to the cross to die for our sins, who have then given himself his flesh for us to consume and eat so that we can enter into communion with him, to become more like him, 
to be transformed by him in receiving the most holy sacrament.